Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we'll hope you'll come and visit us at our Logansport campus at 3930 East Market Street. Or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution, where Sundays are a party, where the family gets together, and we're always expecting guests. All right, so this is it. Like we've been saying, the final week. And in these three-week series that we do, they, they come and go so fast when we, when we do a series that's short like this, kind of like uh, fall weather in, in, in Indiana. Like it's just like it's here one minute, gone the next. It seemed like fall finally started, middle of October. It was gone Halloween night, first snow of the year. And we're supposed to get like another full month of fall weather, but it's, it, what, what was up with this week? Like it, it was a sin this week, five degrees in November. And uh, I, I saw this meme the other day, and I think this kind of sums up weather in Indiana right here. This, this is pretty good. Yeah. When they ask what the weather's like in Indiana, I think this should be on every like sign at welcoming you into the state. Like, <laughs> welcome to Indiana, where this is your life now. But um, so, thank God for heat and blankets and friends and family in an awesome church where we can just uh, feel warm inside and outside through different things. So, anyway, the third and final week, we're going to finish this series on money and personal finances. Uh, this series called "In God We Trust." And let me, let me quickly catch you up. If you've if you missed a week or two of this, maybe this is your first time here at Revolution Church. Um, in, in week one, we talked about how, like, despite our improving economy, our low em- unemployment rate, that, like, money and finances continues to be one of the main stressors that we face. And we, we looked at some stats that week. It said, despite an, it, despite an improving economy, nearly 90% of Americans surveyed by the American Psychological Association said the level of stress they are feeling about money has either remained the same or elevated in the last year. And I think this was a 2018 study, but a couple other stats from the study. 75% of people surveyed stated they've stressed about money in the last month, and then 25% said they stress about money most, if not all the time. And and we said there's all kinds of practical reasons for this. And we're going to talk about a few of those practical things today. But the core thing, the, the, the main reason, the foundational reason that we stress and worry about money is because we're placing our trust in it. It's a trust issue. Like what or who are you trusting? And, and that, this is what we talked about in week one, that we print in God we trust on the very thing many of us place our trust in. Our ultimate trust in is our money. So we worked on our attitude on money, our thinking toward money. And we looked at this attitude adjustment verse that Paul, this older, wiser leader, spoke into the life of Timothy, his apprentice. And really, he was speaking it to this church and the city of Ephesus and even to us today. And here's, here's how the first half of the verse reads. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so, what's the word? Unreliable, yeah. And we, we broke this down statement by statement kind of diving into each of the statements in the verse. And then we, we kind of concluded with the big idea. Here was the big idea in week one. Worry and stress come from placing our trust in things that are unreliable. And money is unreliable. The things that bring us money, unreliable. The things our money goes toward. The things we invest our money in. The things we purchase, with, all of it is unreliable. There is only one entity that deserves words like love or trust, and that's God. Like if, if we want to live with less financial stress and worry, if, if we want to live in, in this 
way of like financial peace, financial freedom. Like, wow, how, does, how amazing does that sound? If, if we want to follow Jesus when it comes to our finances, then, then we have to not just say it, but live this out. In God we trust. In God we trust. And here, here's the full theme verse. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need. That's a big word there for our enjoyment. So that was week one, talking about like what is it look like how, how do we trust God? And then we, we kind of broke it down even more last week. Uh, Dave Ramsey kind of got us started with how we live this out. And, and living an in-God-we-trust life means we understand that we're just asset managers. Okay, we're not owners. The, the, the biblical word for this is stewards. Dave had a lot of fun with that in the video we watched. We're just managing money for the owner. Like all that we have, it's not really ours. And, and trusting the owner, God, means that we do what he says with the money. It means we live according to the principles God established us to live by. That's what living an in-God-we-trust life looks like with our money. And, and part of that, part of what the owner says as a best practice in trusting him is to give a portion of our resources to and through the local church. And he talked, Dave really unpacked the principle of tithing, giving 10% of our income back to God through his movement to church. And I didn't say this last week. This is a great time to bring this into the conversation. Uh, Revolution believes in the principle of tithing so much that we do this as a church. Uh, we, we talked about one of our partners last week, Felix's Closet, and we were able to give them a financial gift as well as be like a center for picking up or for dropping off winter items because our church lives out the biblical principle of tithing. 10% of our annual budget is given to outreach and church planting. This has been part of our church's DNA ever since the very beginning. If we believe tithing is a principle that we need to live out as individuals, then we're going to model it as a church as well within our finances. And so here's, here's some of the things that have been able to happen because of your generosity this year in many different ways. Um, we, we'll, we'll just celebrate a few things. We've hosted three mobile food banks uh, that have served 700 families, 2,400 individuals in our community over this year. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, the, the, just the impact that that has had in our city. Uh, we sponsored seven dads to go to dad camp with their kids this year. This amazing organization in Howard County, the founded in Howard County, it's be doing work all over the world now. We helped start a new church in Nora, Indiana this year. Your generosity in that 10% was part of starting New Heights Church in Nora, Indiana. They launched two months ago. I'm meeting with their lead team this month to find out, like, how, get some updates. Hopefully I'll have some updates for you in the coming weeks of how New Heights Church is doing about an hour and 15 minutes away from us. Um, and this is the most recent outreach project we've taken on as a church. Uh, United Way, one of our community partners, asked our church to take the lead on the school backpack program. So every month, starting this month and going through May, volunteers are needed to pack 500 backpacks that are handed out on Friday afternoon to students in need. So if you're interested, I know we, we've already talked about some ways to serve. Here's another opportunity to, to find out more information about this program that we've kind of taken the lead role on. We're bringing in other organizations and groups and churches in the community to help partner with this. But if you want to get more information, you just mark, join a team on the Next Step card and write the word backpack. That's it. In the comments section, we'll get with you. We'll give you some more information on what this looks like as we've partnered with this new project that's making a difference in our community. Uh, coming up a week from Thursday... I didn't see anybody get a next step card there. It's right in front of you, by the way. Right in front of you. Uh, a week from Thursday is the community Thanksgiving dinner. 
where we partner with River of Life Church just across the Walmart parking lot from us, and we do this Thanksgiving meal for our community. Same thing. I think after first service, we got almost all the spots filled. I think we need eight more volunteers for the community Thanksgiving meal that is on Thanksgiving. Uh, you can go out to the Welcome Center and sign up for those final slots, or again, you can use that Next Step card. Mark, join a team and write Thanksgiving in the comments, and we'll get with you to get signed up for that. So your generosity is part of all of this. And lastly, today is the kickoff of our final Project Christmas. We've been, we've been able to do this project for five straight years. This is year number six of Project Christmas. Check it out. This year, we will officially bless every single elementary school in our county through this project. So we're going to Caston Schools this year. We're going to the Friends of the County, and uh, we're giving a Christmas stocking to every elementary student and staff member in the school. And this is going to be our final Project Christmas, at least for a few years. We're going to take, we're going to take a season off. We're going to introduce some new projects that our church is going to take on in January 2020. We're going to introduce that to our church. And so we're going to take a break from this project, but we're going to end it with a bang. If you want to be part of this, you can go out those barn doors, and there's, there are stockings that are available for you to grab today, and there's going to be more volunteer opportunities as we move forward with this. So, like, this is why we give, right? See, giving changes things. Your generosity is part of all this. Giving changes things. Most importantly, and Dave Ramsey talked about this last week, giving changes us. That's the most important thing. Like, God doesn't need your money. All right, God is not trying to get your money. Like, God just wants to make sure your money doesn't get you. And that's why he challenges us with the principle of giving so that we can make a difference and so that he can change our heart in the area of our finances. So we have to acknowledge ownership. We're just managers. God's the owner, and we need to be givers. And then there are several other practical principles that relate to trusting God with our money. We're going to get three today. Three. We're going to end with three practical principles from Scripture about trusting God with our money. Now, You've heard all three of these things. Every person in this room. None of this is going to be new information. I'm hoping to unpack it in some new ways. But you've heard every one of these three things before. But many of us are not doing them because they're really hard. They're really hard. So I thought, you know what? Before we dive into these, we need some inspiration. We need to be inspired to live this out. And I have just the right thing for that. Here we go. All for that guy. That he said he couldn't fly a helicopter in Jumanji. Just um, because, Mom. No, this is not a movie. He could do it. If he could do it. This isn't a movie. He, he believed in himself. And you can too. Oh, man, you're going to put it on me like that? You can do anything that, that you want. You can get... You can get singing lessons, get a better job, make more money. You could be even like rich. You could live in the White House someday. You could be president. Me? Do what you want to do. You're it's amazing. not about up, up. It's not up to other people. It's true. It's up to you. It's true. I'll have you. So are we ready for this? Come on now. You can do anything you want to do. All right? I want to, I want to, 
I, I guarantee you his mom has sang in the car many times, and that's where that singing lessons statement came from. But uh, hey, you can live in the White House someday. Okay, anyway, so, but we can do these things, all right? We can do these things. So three practical principles for trusting God with our finances. If you're writing things down, here they are. Here's number one. Follow a plan. Trusting God with our finances requires us to follow a plan. Now, when navigating through life, there, there are really two types of people, right? There are those that like to have a plan, and then those that don't like to have a plan, <laughs> Plan and no plan. And uh, like those that, you, you don't do anything unless it's planned, scheduled, you figure out how it's going to be done, accomplished, all that. And then there's those, we, we like to fly by the seat of our pants. And so I'm going to, we're going to have fun with this. I'm going to throw three activities on the screen. And I want you to decide which, like if you're a planner or, a, or not a planner within these activities, okay? And just respond by raising your hand. Here's the first one. Uh, grocery shopping. Okay. Who in here, like you have a very detailed meal plan and list of all the groceries you need before you go grocery shopping, you take it in, you know, you're on a mission when you go grocery shopping. Raise your hand. Wow. That, I thought there would be a few more hands than that. Okay. So we got two hands over here. Uh, how many of you are like, you just wing it and then you're going to figure out how to make meals with this later? What? So a lot of us are eating cereal is what we're saying, right? All right, let, let's go with another one. Uh, date night. Okay. How many of you, like, you know what time you're leaving, where you're going to dinner, what's happening after dinner, like how much it's going to cost, what time you're going to get home. How many, you plan out date night really well. Okay, it's, it's second service. There's not a lot of planners. In the, how many of you, like, you just, you just go for it and we just have, like, you enjoy date night because it's, like, not planned. Okay, you can, have, you can have fun on date night as you plan it too. Last one, uh, Vacation. Who has a detailed itinerary of everywhere you're going to go, how much it's going to cost for every single day of vacation before you take off? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you, you wake up and you see where the adventure takes you on vacation? Okay. <laughs> wow. Last question with this one. How many of you have gone on vacation with someone opposite from you in the planning and it has caused a massive fight on vacation? That should be every hand. We've all had that experience. All right, so we, we, we all have these tendencies when it comes to making plans. And I, and I think, you know, sometimes it's, I, I love just, just winging it a lot. You know, I, I love doing that and just going for adventure. I've talked about before we've taken off on a trip. We didn't even have a hotel book before. So that, that may be too extreme. But, but there's one area of life where this never works. Yet this is the area we often don't plan. Our finances. I find that even people that are detailed planners in so many areas of their life don't seem to have a plan when it comes to finances. And, and here's what the book of Proverbs says as far as like uh, connecting the word plan with our money and our finances. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you're not a Bible person. We're going to look at several different verses throughout Scripture. Maybe you struggle with the Bible and you, like you think it's a book written by men and you're like pastors before have made it kind of confusing and you've read it and there's some confusing stuff. I get all of that. I get all of that. But listen, I guarantee you this, that if you lived by the principles of the Bible when it comes to money, you would be so much better for it. Like, it is a book that works for finances. And yes, the church has made it kind of weird and confusing, but I'm telling you, the Bible makes sense for life. And that's why at Revolution, we believe the Bible is God's inspired word. There's something supernatural about this book. 
It makes so much sense. And written thousands of years ago, but it makes so much sense today. So here, here's how planning and finances intersect. A couple verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 24, 27. Uh, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. Now, of course, this is a different culture, different time, so we might not completely understand everything going on here, but what, what this is saying in general is, like, you need to set priorities with your money. You need, to, you need a plan. Like, there's an order of how money should be earned and spent and what it should be spent on. You need a financial plan. Let's go back a few chapters. It says this in uh, chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Let's all say plans lead to profit. Ready? Plans lead to profit. One more time. Plans lead to profit. That, that is a financial principle. Like building wealth and, and living with less stress and worry, it requires a plan. A diligent plan. See that word diligent there? That means it's a plan you stick to when it's not convenient still. Or when you get busy again. Or when you want to eat out every night because the kids' sports have ramped up. You know, or whatever. That's my world. Like it, it, the, the diligent plan. Plans lead to profit. And you can follow all the threads of Scripture. You can start at the beginning. You can read all the way through the end. And you will find that God gives a three-step simple plan when it comes to finances. Three words. Here they are. Here's the owner, God's simple financial plan. Give, save, live. In that order. That's the plan that the true owner of our money, we're just asset managers, that's the plan he gives us. And of course, we're leaving out the earn part. Okay, I thought we're a smart church. We get that. You need a job, all right? You have to have some revenue coming in. There has to be money coming in. We need that. But once we, once we have that going on, we have to set priorities. And priority number one is, okay, with how much is coming in, how much, how much am I going to give? Talked about a principle within that last week. Priority two, how much do we need to save for the future? And priority three, then, okay, now what's left to live on? Give, save, live. That, that's God the owner's simple financial plan throughout Scripture. And we, we struggle living that and keeping those priorities straight. So here's a couple other things that help us with that. Here's number two. Live on a budget. You're like, I, I already know this. This is common sense. Yeah, but common sense is so rare nowadays, it's like having a superpower. Common sense, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it, it, when we merge God's common sense with our finances, it changes everything. Changes everything. Jesus said it like this. Like, Son of God, Jesus, that died on a cross, rose from the dead. Jesus appeared to 500 people that saw him in resurrected form. There's so much historical evidence to the fact that this guy named Jesus that died, was put in a grave, resurrected, rose from the dead, proving he was God's son. Here's what he said about this whole idea. Luke 14, 28. But don't begin until you, let's say it, count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. And he kind of goes a little further. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, hey, there's that person that started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. But don't begin until you count, until you calculate, until you budget. And Dave Ramsey says it like this. If you worked for a company called You Incorporated and you managed money for You Incorporated the way you manage money now, would you fire you? Don't answer that out loud. Another, another way of thinking through it is, like, what if you took your money to an investor and trusted them to invest it wisely, 
And you come back in five years, and they didn't keep track of it. They don't know where they invested it. They don't know if you made any money. They don't know if you have any money left. They don't have any information for you about the money that you entrusted them with. You fire that investor. You probably sue that investor, right? And, and many of us, we're living that way with the money God has entrusted us with. We're not on a plan. We're not counting. We're not calculating. We're not budgeting. We're not disciplined in, in, in our finances. And we have the guts to say, like, God, I don't have enough money to pay the bills this month. Could you give me more money? When we're not disciplined with it. To which God says, no. Seriously, there's a story. Jesus tells a story about this, where like this owner of the money entrusts three different guys. It's called the parable of the talents. Entrusts three different guys with a certain amount of wealth to manage that wealth for the owner, just like we've been entrusted with. And he comes back, you know, after a certain period of time, and he checks in on these three guys. And two of the guys had managed the money well. One had not. And not only does he not give that one no more money, he actually takes the money that he'd entrusted him with and gives it to the guy that had done well with it, that had managed it well. And then there's this wealth inequality verse that Jesus gives us. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So we need to follow a plan, and we need to live on a budget. And, and maybe you're like, but no, Anthony, I, okay, I get, I get the budget thing, but it's not that. I just need to make more money. Like if I just made more money, it wouldn't matter if there's a budget or not, I'd have enough if I just had more money. No, you wouldn't. Been there, thought that. That's not how it works, friends. That's not, like, if you don't live on a budget, it doesn't matter how much you make, it will never be enough. And maybe you recently got married, and, and you and your spouse are bringing your money together now, and, and you even thought, like, going into the marriage, like, okay, we're going to have two incomes brought together. We're going to be good once that happens. And it's not working out like you thought it would. You know Why? Because two people that were undisciplined and not budgeting financially brought their lack of discipline into the same home, more money doesn't solve that problem. Actually, the more money you have, the easier it is to slack off and not live on a budget. Think about it like this. Anytime we have extra of anything, we tend to be less disciplined with it. That's just how, that's, that's human psychology. That's how it works. It's not a lack of money problem, usually. It's a lack of budgeting. I, I need to be knowing where all my money be going. Okay, that's, that's what it looks like to do a budget. I need to be knowing where all my money be going. Let's just say that together. That's going to drive some of you crazy because you're about grammar. We're going to say it just like that. Um, let me say it one more time. I need to be knowing where all my money be going. Let's say that together. I need to be knowing where all my money be going. One more time. I need to be knowing where all my money be going. So when, when, if you're married and the, your spouse tries to do something outside the budget, you need to be knowing. We're all my, anyway, let's just use that. So follow a plan, live on a budget, check out DaveRamsey.com, some great tools that you can print out. Uh, we use Mint.com, it's a kind of a digital platform for budgeting. And then number three, and you know what the next one is, I mean, we'll throw it on the screen, but you know what it is, get out of debt. And so the, these are the three big practical principles about money in Scripture. Follow a plan. Give, save, live. That's the plan. Live on a budget. I need to be known where all my money be going. And get and stay out of debt. So let me be vulnerable, okay? Uh, my wife and I have talked in this series. We have, a, have had a couple conversations within this series. And we are still in debt. And we are determined to get out of debt other than our house in 2020. 
and we know it can happen. And we've struggled with this because being student pastors for seven years when we first got married and then starting a church in our late 20s with two young kids, pretty much no income in the early days of revolution, it was not the wisest way to win financially, okay? We didn't have that step on here because it just doesn't work if you want to win with your finances to plant a church, okay? Not a great strategy for that, for building wealth over time. So we've, we've just struggled with a level of debt since we were married. Listen, we, we understand WIC vouchers. We understand who's your health wise. We understand asking for help from the trustees for rent. We understand that circumstances in life can contribute to this being a hard step, but not an impossible step. Because, I mean, this is some of your story. I've heard your, like, this is not impossible because God never gives us something that is better for our lives that is impossible to live out. It is possible to, in today's world, to live debt free. And we're going to get there. So let me look at it. Let's look at a couple different verses. Let's go old school first, Old Testament first, and then we'll go new school. Um, it says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Maybe you've heard that before. Some translations say slave. The borrower is slave to the lender. It's like putting ourselves in slavery by choice, enslaving ourselves. New school. Look at this. Romans 13:8. Let's say, let's say these two words: let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. The only debt we should have is when we do something good for each other, paying each other back, blessing each other, helping each other in, in kind of brotherly love, but no, no other debt other than that. See, here, here's what's interesting. From a biblical perspective, and again, you can, you can look this up. You can do a word search on the word debt if you want to and just Google all this stuff. Don't take my word for it. But if you follow the threads of Scripture from beginning to end, you find out that debt is a very negative thing to God. But our culture has tried to promote a totally different social view on the issue of debt. To, to culture, debt is natural. To, to God, debt is a very negative thing, but to culture, debt is very natural. And th this is what makes it so hard, okay? Because there's no, there's no social pressure to get out of debt. I mean, it just seems like everybody is indebted. I mean, you, you've heard phrases like this. I've probably used phrases like this before. Like, all my bills are the normal bills, I got the car payment and the house payment and the second mortgage and the student loans and the couple credit cards and medical bills. I, I got all the normal bills because we've normalized the use of debt. I mean, it's just normal to stay in debt our entire lives. And it's such a messed up thing. If you think about it, it's just, it's so backwards because like you get to this place where you get your credit score up, you get your debt to income ratio in a good place, and then you can go get in more debt. It's just so, like, like you get things going in a good direction, and then our world gives you permission to totally mess it up again. It's so, it's so reverse of what it should be. And it hasn't always been this way, by the way. I, even I remember a time in our culture where debt was seen as a negative thing. And you would actually do things that were really weird. And for those that are in their 20s or under, you're gonna, like, this is so strange. Like if, you, like, if you wanted to buy something, like, say, a new TV... You'd go to Radio Shack, remember that? Or let's just say Walmart, okay, so everybody's tracking. You'd go to your local Walmart, you'd pick out the TV you wanted, and you'd take that TV to the back of the store, and you'd give it to the associate in the back of the store, and you'd give them like $100. And then you'd come back the next, they'd actually take the TV from you. You wouldn't take it with you that day. Then you'd come back the next month, and you'd give them like another $50. You'd come back another month, and and. and and then at the, once, once you'd paid the whole TV off, then they'd give it back to you. You'd take it with you. This, this, whole, this whole process was called what? 
layaway. Yes, you remember this. Yes, we used to, like, people used to do, like, if you're under 20, you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, just next day delivery on Amazon, charge that sucker. Like, what are you doing? No, there was a time in our country where if you, if you had debt, it was evidence things weren't going well with you. So people avoided it, and people would do weird things like layaway. Just strange, right? And, but here's what's awesome about layaway. Like, once you, like, pay off that TV, you're taking home a brand new, totally paid off television. Like, by the time we pay off things today, we don't even know where they are anymore. Like, we threw it in the basement because we're not even using it. The kids grew out of it. We ate it, you know, or, uh, or, or even if we still have it and we know where it is, we're ready to trade it in on the next newer thing and go in debt again. It's just, it's such a crazy thing, right? And that's why scripture says, why would you want to go into debt? It's like slavery, it causes more worry and anxiety. It holds us back from this amazing life, this amazing plan with our finances of give, save, live. It holds us back from following that plan. We've got to get out of debt. Again, Dave Ramsey has some great tools for this. So uh, those are the three things. Uh, follow a plan. Live on a budget. Get out of debt. So here, here's what's going to happen now. The band's not going to come back out and play another song. If you, if you come to Revolution, we do that a lot. The band comes back out. We have some time to process things and all that kind of stuff. That's not going to happen today. The, the prayer room's going to be open as we dismiss. There's a room in the back. We would count it an honor to pray with you. Some volunteers are going to make their way back there. If you want to, like, prayer over finances, marriage, maybe something that connected earlier within that story in Mark chapter 8, we would love to pray with you today. But after Jesus prayed for that blind man we talked about earlier and touched his eyes twice... He could, he could see clearly, it says this, Jesus sent him home because he was supposed to go home and live a different life. So we're done with the series. Now it's time for us to go home and live a different life. And like I said, we, we, haven't, we have not lived perfectly in this area. We, we have some work to do. We have some of these principles down. Others, we have some work to do. But with Jesus right beside us, with him in our corner, we can live this out. So it's time to go home and live a different life. Let me pray for us. God, this has been a hard series. Some stuff that we don't want to hear. Because we like instant gratification. We're Americans. We like stuff now, when we want it, the way we want it. And God, it's, it's, really, it's really got us in a bad place. Um, so help us to, to live differently. You, you want something better for us. So help us to see it as that. Let the conversation continue. There's decisions, some hard decisions that need to be made from this series. Give us the courage to live it. Give us the courage to live a different life. Because if we can figure this out, I believe, like as Revolution, we can change this city. As your church, capital C, we can change this world. So guide us in all of this in Jesus' name.